Welcome to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. Now let's begin. Well, hello, fellow podcast listener, and welcome to the Pop Culture Pub Podcast. I'm your host, my name is Chris Lockhart, and joining me on the line is my co-host in crime, Mr. Kevin Decent. How's it going, Kevin? It is going well, Chris. Um, I, I love your topics that you come up with because a uh, little peek behind the curtain here for listeners. You know, it's not just they, uh, you know, I'll get a message from Chris, you know, well in advance. Here's what we're going to talk about next. Yep. And then it just leads my brain to all sorts of different places for, you know, the next few days, week, whatever. Yeah, this... And, uh, as I'm figuring out what... This one was actually easy, because this is one of our franchise topics um, that we do. I actually stole this idea uh, from the Atomic Geeks podcast. It was it was a podcast that you can still listen to uh, if you go to the Atomic Geeks podcast. Just look them up wherever you get your podcasts. Um I don't think they do new episodes anymore, but they uh, still have a catalog of episodes out there. But they used to do a franchise topic called Little Topics, and so I took it from them. Um, so, yeah, it's as the the title implies, we're just talking about stuff that wouldn't necessarily make their own episode. And it's just Kevin and I this evening. Uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, Lillian can join us this evening, and Ragnar is busy getting prepared for the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo, which will be this weekend coming up at the time of this release. Uh, so be sure, if you're in the Calgary area, uh, be sure to come check out Ragnar's booth. And uh, yeah, I'll be there as well Friday to Sunday, walking around and and probably buying stuff I don't need. So th- I'll be doing that. Um but for this episode, like I said, uh, this is one of the franchise topics. Um, so it's Little Topics 2023. Uh, so we each are going to bring two little topics we wish to discuss with the group. Um, so for my my, my little topics, um, I just basically have two uh, TV series reviews. Um, at the time of this recording, uh, both uh, these series seasons third seasons have come to an end um and for one series apparently it's the final ep- for the it's the final season so for my first topic i'm going to talk about the mandalorian season three um so the mandalorian came out originally in 2019 it was the first original series from disney plus and it was quite successful you know uh people um learned about baby yoda uh he became very popular overnight um but disney was smart and uh they didn't actually merchandise baby yoda prior to the series because they didn't want the secret getting out that there was a character who looks like yoda and we didn't have a name for him the first season so everyone just called him baby yoda even though he's not yoda's baby or not a baby version of yoda he's uh, a completely different person uh, but we just called baby yoda and then season two came around there's a lot more merchandise uh season two i think was used to um introduce uh you know characters and concepts that had been 
we'd previously seen in animated versions, uh, in the Dave, you know, done by Dave Filoni, but we hadn't seen them in live action. So we got a live action, uh, Ahsoka Tano, um, which is, who was played by Rosario Dawson and she did amazing in that role. And then we got Katie Sackhoff reprising her role as, uh, Bo-Katan, um, and then uh, we got Luke Skywalker showing up in the season two finale, and everyone was blown away. Grogu went away to, to train with Luke, and you know it was a sad moment, you know, because Mando, the Mandalorian, had to say goodbye to his, you know, this child he was protecting that he come to see as a son, sort of, and it was sad. And then the next year they did a series called The Book of Boba Fett. And they did two episodes in The Book of Boba Fett, which were, which were essentially Mandalorian episodes, because Boba Fett barely featured in those episodes. And in those episodes we saw Luke training Grogu. We saw uh, the Mandalorian, you know, searching him out and, and, you know, paying him a visit. And then Luke gave Rogu a choice, like you can either walk the way of the Jedi or walk the way of the Mandalorian, the choice is yours. Grogu went back to the, to the Mandalorian, they were reunited, and uh, a lot of people weren't happy about that. Uh, not because that they were reunited, but the fact that it happened so quickly, and the fact that it happened on another show, like, because this was a separate series from the Mandalorian, it was the same universe, same Star Wars universe. Same time frame, but it was a different show. So some people <clears throat> didn't like the book of Boba Fett. They didn't, you know, they dropped off after an episode or two. So when Grogu shows up in season three of The Mandalorian and he's with The Mandalorian, there were some people that were confused. They didn't understand what was going on. I thought, you know, like the finale, we saw him leave with Luke and it was like this big heartwarming moment and now it's completely undone. And that uh, really ticked off a lot of people. And season three, I will say, of The Mandalorian um, has felt the most Disney-ish season of The Mandalorian. Like, it really felt like there was, you know, like uh, Dave Filoni and John Favreau, the creators of, of the series, were getting mandates from upper management. Like, I, like in season one, like, they were basically given, you know, make it make a star wars show do it and do what you want so they did this the series and it became so popular that it became the most successful star wars property that disney had done since they acquired the license to to um to star wars so it seemed like this season like now the corporate bigwigs were getting involved and saying like hey you gotta you know we need grogu and and mandalorian back together you know we can't have them separate <clears throat> Need them, we need them back. We need to sell toys. It just seemed like there was a lot of uh, notes from upstairs, I think, trickling down and, and mandates this season. So it, it felt very disconnected. I, I, I really felt it came back around in the penultimate episode. Um, you know, all these uh, loose threads that were kind of dangling all season were finally getting tied up. Um and I really enjoyed the season finale. Uh, like, There's a lot of action. Um, you know, we finally get the reveal of what's, you know, what Moff Gideon's up to. We, we have a big battle. Like, honestly, it was like movie quality. 
It really was. It 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 felt like a Star Wars movie. Um, and it, it, it like I liked it, you know. Uh, but a lot of people have been dumping on this season. I think. I mean, not every season of a series is going to be stellar. You know, like every, you know, every show has its off season and maybe this was their off season. I don't know. Uh, but I, I enjoyed it. Uh, there was, and the last, when we last recorded, uh, well, not the last episode of Geek Fall, but the one before that, um, I had mentioned that they had just done the episode with Lizzo and Jack Black and Christopher Lloyd. And I kind of felt like they jumped the shark a little bit with that episode. And I still agree with that. But again, the toxic fans come out, and Lizzo for some from for some reason Lizzo was getting a lot of hate, um, and it wasn't because like like no offense to Lizzo, uh, I don't think she's a particularly good actress, um, and I don't think she is an actress. I think you know like she just was a like she was is admittedly a Star Wars fan and became friends with the creators and and they gave her a part. Um, but instead of criticizing her acting, people were criticizing her weight. Um, you know, these toxic fans. And, and I just I just get so frustrated because, you know, it's those fans that ruin it for the rest of us. Uh, you know, you make us all kind of look like jerks. Because um, I think, you know, sure, Lizzo might be a bigger girl. Uh, but she's very talented. I think she's beautiful. And I just think that... Uh, you know, if you didn't like the episode, that's one thing, but you don't need to be, you know, dumping on, on, on people for their appearances. Um, but in my opinion, I think season three Mandalorian was good. It wasn't as good as the first two. I'll admit that, but it's still pretty good. You know, special effects are great. You know, they did a, they did this awesome pirate episode, um, or the pirate captain. He looked like Swamp Thing. Like, like if if there was ever a, a perfect live action version of Swamp Thing, this pirate captain was that. Like he, like it was awesome. Um, and uh, you know, Carl Weathers came back. He was great. Um, oh, and also, I think a lot of people were upset with uh, the fact that Cara Dune got wrote off the show. Um, she just got like was mentioned that she got uh, transferred. Um, to the, you know, Republic Secret Service or something. Um, Gina Carano, if for people that don't know, she, you know, tweeted something um, that, you know, pissed off a lot of people, and Disney basically fired her. And uh, I think that pissed off a lot, a lot of people, you know, like, because uh, her character was fantastic. I loved Cara Dune. Um, but anyway... Um, my opinion, I, I really think the Mandalorian season three was good. And, uh, if you like the first two seasons, I suggest checking it out. And, uh, I, I stand by that. Uh, so Kevin, um, what's your first topic? Or if, if you want to add to this one, by all means, go ahead. I, I mean, sadly, I'm just so far behind. I've not watched any of Mandalorian season yet. I want to, I just haven't. I still haven't watched Andor yet either. Andor, um, um, Andor is good, but there's a lot of fat that they could have trimmed from that show. There's a lot of, because there's basically three 
story arcs that kind of culminate to the final episode. And some of those story arcs go a little too long in, in some spots. Like, it did feel, because I think it's, I want to say there's 12 episodes of Andor. It really could have been eight episodes, I think. But still, okay. but still a good series. Like I mean, um, Stellan Skarsgård was amazing, and and you know the cast was I think was all amazing. I'm looking forward to seeing season two, and there's only going to be a second season because uh, it's going to lead directly into Rogue One after that. Yeah, so. yeah, just there's just so much to watch. Oh, I, I hear you, man. I hear you. There's so much I have I got to catch up on too. All right, so um. Little topic here, and other people listening, maybe parents, grandparents, whatever. Um, but my kid at nine uh, thought he was funny and tried to trip me up on a joke today. Mm-hmm. And I'm just like, that's still around. So he came up to me, and you know, with all the childlike wit and wonder and a little bit of naughtiness and all. Mm-hmm. I said, Dad, spell I cup. <laughs> and I just started laughing right away. Because he thinks he's original. Yeah. You know. Yeah. He, he doesn't realize I know this. But then I really got thinking. And, and you laughing means you know it as well. Mm-hmm. But I'm like, okay. So this thing is just shared at school, playground, whatever. We're close in age, but we're opposite sides of the continent, practically. You know, in different countries. We both know it, though. I could mention it to many other people. They're well aware of it. Mm-hmm. And there's other ones like this. You know, stupid little jokes and puns and, you know, naughty but not too bad. You know, like age-appropriate naughtiness, and I, I guess. Yeah. You know, he's not. He's making, you know, bathroom jokes, like what he should be doing. Yeah. Um. But I'm just like, all right. So these little things that, like urban legends, the wrong word, but you know, um, it, it's almost like in the um. You know, campfire story passed down mm-hmm. tradition thing yeah. in a way. But I'm like, how do these things stay around, keep going through school, never die, decades upon decades across the world? Like, what? What is this? Like, how does? Because some kid was the first kid to come up with this joke. Yeah, and it may have been a hundred years ago at this point. Yeah. You know, um, and, and there's so many other stupid little jokes. He'll come home with them over time and all. I'm like, all right, let me think back. Okay. Someone said it once. Spell I cup. Okay. And if you know the joke, or the, you know, however your first time goes, like, oh, I know what you're going for. Or you yeah. don't realize and you say it and you feel silly. Yeah. Okay. So the, the next part is going to be trying to trip up someone else with it. So you go to a younger sibling, a younger cousin, a, you know, another a kid in your neighborhood or whatever, like something so you can show off your intelligence now and get trip them up. All right, then it continues for them. But really, this is, what, a week's worth of your life, yeah. Max? 
hear the joke, repeating the joke, sharing jokes with someone else, try and trip them up, on to the next thing. So maybe a week at most, this is an active part of a young kid's brain. Yeah. And yet it keeps going. And it keeps going. So I'm like, all right, it it goes through, you know, let's say, uh, all right, he's in fourth grade. Let's say, you know, across U.S. and Canada, fourth graders just learn to share it with other fourth graders. It just kind of rolls through. Okay, next year for fourth grade, you know, after like summer break and whatever, how does it pop up again? How does Mm -hmm. this joke happen again? Yeah. You know, because even if you're like, all right, one fourth grader tells another and it just kind of trickles haha through and if if one new fourth grader learns every week per school then that's how it can last a whole school year like at, at best you could maybe do that for it yeah okay but then what about summer what about vacations like how how do other people keep learning this and again there's so many other ones of these stupid ones yep and i really like there's got to be some sort of like cultural anthropology deep dive of you know this way of telling stories through generations through all the people that have gone through this you know universal thing of just kids wanting to know and share stupid jokes like this yeah oh there there i i i mean i don't have the time right now to to do some sort of deep dive like this, but I'm just fascinated with it now. Yep. No, that's a good one. Yeah, yeah, like, um, you gotta think that, uh, yeah, you know, like, you know, say your son tells, you know, say there's a cousin that comes to visit from another town, your your son tells his cousin, his cousin goes back to his town, then he's telling his friends, and, yeah, it's like, uh, kind of like a coronavirus. You know, it just spreads, <laughs> and you don't know how, but it does. Yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, um, for my for my second little topic for this evening, I'm going to be talking about the third season, final season of Star Trek Picard. Um, the reason why I'm doing it for in this episode is I wanted to do a separate episode on Trek 1701, where I talked about Star Trek Picard. Uh, you know the current season and the season over or the series overall but my fellow podcasters on that podcast do not want to talk about it um and i don't blame them um you know because i've I've been keeping them up to date i think i think ragnar watched uh, this season um i i don't know about richard and curtis if they've been watching or not but I mean, we all got kind of got burnt with Star Trek Picard for the first two seasons. Um, so, you know, disclosure, like I, like I know I've talked about this on the show several times. Season one of Star Trek Picard, I was so excited for it. Like I was, you know, Patrick Stewart's coming back. I was excited. Um, even you know the first couple episodes in, I was like, you know, this could be, could be awesome. You know, they're setting up some stuff. Will it pay off? You know, like. What you know? What's going on with you know? Why is he having dreams of Data? What's going on with this daughter and and Data's daughter? What's going on with the Borg cube? What's going? You know, what are the Romulans playing at? And then they just made so many poor creative choices. You know, they set up some mysteries that did not get resolved. They set up plot lines that made no sense, and it was just a bad first season. And then season two. 
again, it started off good. Like that, I want to say that first episode was pretty solid of season two. Uh, you know, they brought Q back. I was excited about that. I love John Delancey. But again, that they, uh, you know, lost the wheel on the wagon, man. Like it just it went it went bad. I, I didn't even finish the the second season. Like I, I think I made it six episodes and then I gave up. And then I just watched uh, YouTube reviews about it because I didn't actually want to watch them anymore. And it didn't get better. Um, and yeah, it was just it was not it was not good. But before season two even ended, they were running trailers for season three, teaser trailers. You know, like it was going to be a TNG reunion, Riker was back, and you know, the, and all this other stuff. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. And then some of my YouTubers I follow, uh, Robert Meyer Burnett, um, Nerd Roddick, uh, David Cullen. Oh, I'm trying to think of who else was involved a bunch of youtubers that i follow um actually the the, the showrunner for season three is a guy named terry metallis and he's a different showrunner uh that wasn't he he was a writer in season two but he wasn't showrunner um and i believe he worked on star trek enterprise as well um back in the day so anyway, this guy is an actual Star Trek fan. My biggest complaint with modern Star Trek, all the way back to the 2009 J.J. Abrams movie, is Star Trek is being run by people that don't understand Star Trek and don't really like Star Trek. J.J. Uh, Abrams admittedly said he was not a Star Trek fan before he did that movie. And, yeah, you, you can tell. like He just didn't understand what he was working with. And... Uh, Alex Kurtzman was not a Star Trek fan, um, but he came from the J.J. The Abrams school of, of filmmaking. Um, and J.J. Abrams, he's, he, he's famous for being the guy that uh, did the, started, or they, he didn't start, but he really ran with the, the what they call the mystery box storytelling, uh, where you um, create all these mysteries in your show to get people to come back to because they want answers to the mysteries, but you don't actually give them. But if you do give them, you have to give them a different mystery so they come back again. Um, and, I mean, that works for shows like The X-Files, for Lost. It even worked on Heroes, uh, you know, when Heroes was popular, that mystery box storytelling. But that doesn't work for Star Trek. Star Trek is meant to be episodic television. Like, you can do an overall story arc, but each episode needs to have a beginning, middle, and end. So, like, even Deep Space Nine, even when they did, like, um, you know, like they did the, the six-part Dominion War arc in Season 6, they did the ten-episode final arc in Season 7 of Deep Space Nine, and then Season 3 of Star Trek Enterprise was, a you know, the Zindi conflict. Um, but even though they had these overarching storylines, each episode had its own story that contributed to the bigger story. Mystery box storytelling doesn't do that. It, you know, like it, your, your episodes don't really feel like you're watching an episode of television because, you know, like it's just, you know, all this, these different mysteries, you know, people droning on about their feelings, people talking about things instead of doing things and, and so on and so forth. 
Um, and it's just been really bad. So, um, you know, for my, my fellow Trek 1701 podcasters, I really didn't blame them for not wanting to watch this show. But, like I said, there were, you know, these YouTubers that I trusted were saying, you know, the season is not great, but it is better. Um, so I went into that, into the season with that mindset, and I absolutely agree. The season was, like, if this had been the first season of Star Trek Picard, I think, I think it would have done amazing. Like, it, it, people would have been talking about it, people, you know, like, it would have uh, received a lot of acclaim, I think, if this had been done three years ago, when the first season of Star Trek Picard came out. Um, and I think, you know, the reason why it was so successful, like, I mean, they still did some mystery box storytelling, because I think, because Kurtzman, he's not show running the season, but he's still the big boss. So, so Terry Metalis still has to work within the restrictions that are placed upon him. But I think given, knowing that, I think he did a very, very good job. Um, this is definitely the best season of Star Trek since 2005. Um, cause I really think that final season of Enterprise was really good, um, before it got canceled. So this is the best season of Star Trek since then. Um, and, and this is, uh, you know, like I was, I've watched each episode, but it wasn't until the penultimate episode that I actually, when I was done that episode, I actually rewatched it immediately. Cause it, it, like this season has built up to these last two episodes and these last two episodes are really good. Um, so much so that, uh, to watch the finale, which came out today at the time of this recording, I actually stayed up to one in the morning when it was actually released. Oh. Yeah. Like, well, I, and to be fair, I'm just getting off night shift. So I'm, so my sleep schedule still messed up. Uh, but it's like, do I go to bed or, you know, cause I'm looking at the clock. It's like 1230 in the morning. I'm like, if I wait another half an hour, I can watch it. Yeah. I'm going to watch it. So that's what I did. Um, <laughs> And, and a little bit of spoilers here, but, uh, and I shared this to the Facebook, uh, group, um, that we're, we're part of for the pop culture pub. Um, they brought the enterprise D back. Like I was just let that just blew my mind in the, in the penultimate episode, the last scene. Um, cause I remember when Rob Meyer Burnett, cause he had seen the, the whole s season before it even aired. Like he, he watched it all. Uh, apparently three times before it actually aired the first episode. And he said like that, like season nine made brought tears to his eyes. And he said, it wasn't because a character dies. It's because of something else. And now I completely understand. Like when I saw, and they brought data back to season, which I would have, which would have pissed me off because like season one, they brought him back and then he died. And then season two, they brought, Brent Spiner back as a different character. And anyway, I was like, we're going to do this again, but they actually did a good job with it this season. And, and, and uh, you know, actually kind of, they did it in a way where now data is basically like a human. And, and that's why he looks old, you know, like it, 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 like the way they, they did, it was actually really smart, I think. Um, but seeing, you know, the, the original crew back on because they they re they had to remake the tng set uh for the the tv bridge 
because of course it was destroyed years ago um but man it it, it looked exactly like it and they turned the lights on like that i was like because when they first walk into the bridge it's all dark and stuff and i'm thinking oh man is, are they gonna light it like they light these star, new star trek shows where everything's dark and shadowy but nope the lights went to full illumination um and it was nicely lit and you know seeing Jordy at the helm again and and seeing data there and wharf and you know all their interactions and it made me happy i was so happy i was i was grinning from from ear to ear man like the like i have you know and then the explanation of how the enterprise d was back because we know it was destroyed in generations but to know that you know the the saucer section was recovered and and George and Jordy you know was using the star drive of another galaxy class starship and you know he's been working on this for 20 years rebuilding it because he's the curator for the fleet museum like it just makes sense like everything just worked um and then like the big bad uh you know it it was the Borg I'm you know spoilers but the big bad for the finale is the Borg I actually liked what they did with the Borg. Um, I liked the, you know, this this plot that they were working on. It makes sense given the events of Voyager, uh, what happened in that show. Um, and you know, like the Borg, because we had the Borg Cube in season one of Picard. We had the Borg Queen in season two of Picard. But this is like the original OG Borg. This is the Borg from Star Trek: First Contact. This is the Borg from the Star Trek Voyagers series. Um, and it, it, it was just, it was great. Um, and the the the, C, the series finale, because it is the end, uh, was, was the perfect send-off, I think, for the TNG crew. You know? Um, and that's something they didn't get in the movies. Because, you know, when Star Trek nemesis came out it was kind of assumed that they were going to make another movie after that and then paramount just shut it down because it it didn't make enough money um so they never really got the proper send-off so now they have like that like this has been like an awesome uh send-off and they they've set it up so there could be a spin-off series to this which i'm really hoping they do um so kev um when you and I, because you you and I recorded our review of season one, right? Like three years ago. Yes. Okay. I think it was you and I we were talking about. I believe you came up with the idea that you know because we were talking about how the first, you know season should have been like Picard had the aromatic syndrome, he was dying. Um, you know, he this should be like his you know him going out and you know on his final mission to to put things right, for, you know things that he was you know kind of left hanging and then he would die at the end of the season and then they would have a new ship called uss picard i believe that was your idea right the uss picard yeah so anyway at the end and spoilers i'm sure you don't mind me spoiling this for you kev no okay. worry about it. so uh they're you know they're uh uh admiral crusher admiral beverly crusher and admiral picard because they're still alive at the end of the series are flying their son spoilers um to his new assignment 
so they're so they go to space dock and they're flying to um, the ship, which is the which is the Titan, uh, and that's the that's the main ship for the for the season is the USS Titan A. So it's the second ship to, to be called the Titan. And you know, Jack's like, no, it's they've uh, rechristened it. And for a second, I thought it was going to be the USS Picard. I was like, oh <laughs> man, no way! Like this is, you know, we were, you know, Kevin brought this up like three years ago. Unfortunately, it isn't the USS Picard, but it is the USS Enterprise G. So um, we didn't like we saw the USS Enterprise F. Um, in the last episode, it apparently is being decommissioned. And I'm like, but we never, like, why is it, why are they decommissioning that ship? Like, we never even got to see it. Um, and then the E, we don't know what, like, that was, like, I thought when they were going to Space Dock and Jordy said he had a ship that they could use, I thought for sure it was going to be the Enterprise E. So imagine my surprise when it was the D. I was like, you know, and then they kind of make a joke, like, Jordy says, well, you know, since we can't use the Enterprise E, and they all kind of look at Worf, and then Worf's like, "It was not my fault." So something happened in the Enterprise E, and it involves Worf, but we don't know what happened. Um, because in in canon, uh, when Picard left the Enterprise to to command the fleet that was going to evacuate Romulus, um, he left Worf. Worf is his first officer on the Enterprise. And then Worf became captain of the Enterprise. So something happened. <clears throat> we don't know. And I'm okay with that. Um, but then I was like, last episode I thought it was weird because they were talking about they're decommissioning the Enterprise F. And I was like, oh, okay. We didn't really get to see that. But I, from what I understand on Star Trek Online, you get to see the Enterprise F. Um, and it has its own storyline in that game. So I was like, oh, okay, whatever. And then, yeah, so this, the the Titan A has now become the Enterprise G. So this ship that we've watched this whole season is actually the new Enterprise. We just didn't know it. And I thought that was just brilliant. Stroke of genius. Because um, I really like the, I really like the design of that ship. I think it's fantastic. Um so, so spoilers, um, Seven of Nine is now the captain of the Enterprise G, uh, Raffi, who I did not like in season one and two. She really annoyed me. I really did not like that character. This season, they actually redeemed her. She's actually a really good character this season. Um, she's the first officer, and Picard, um, his son, uh, who's I think still Jack called Jack Crusher. I don't know if he's taken on Picard's last name or not. I don't know. Uh, he's going to be serving on this ship as an ensign. And uh, another spoiler, uh, why they need to do a spinoff series is uh, they have a, a mid credit scene with Jack Crusher on the Enterprise G. He's in his quarters and then all of a sudden you hear, a vo hear someone Say, I can't remember what he says, but Jack Crusher turns around and it's Q. And Q is like, you know, the, the you know, like Jack said, well, because last season two of Picard, it's implied that Q's dying. And, and Q 
so Jack asked him, I thought my dad said that you were dying. And he's like, you, you mortals think in such linear terms. Um, so, and he's like, what are, are you, uh, basically it's implied that like, he's going to be, uh, putting Jack Crusher on some sort of trial or something. Um, so they have to do a spinoff series. Like, I'm really hoping that we get to see more of this because, you know, and with, with Terry Metalis running it because he did such a good job this season. Um, so, you know, I get, I give it really high praise this season. It's again, to agree with, with Robert Meyer Burnett and all those other guys, it's not great. I'm not, you know, there, there are problems. There are story things that didn't make sense. There were times they did a little too much fan service, but I can appreciate what they were trying to do. Um, but had this been season one, I think, um, people would have been like singing its praises, um, more so than they're doing now. So if you're a Star Trek fan, if you're on the fence, I, I would recommend checking it out. If you're a fan of TNG, I think you'll like this. I think they, I think they did a, a reasonably good job, uh, with it. Not, not, like I said, not great. I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't give it a five out of five, but I would give it a solid 3.5 out of five. Um, I think season two, I gave it like a zero out of five. Um, and then season one, um, I think I might've gave it a two, maybe a 1.5 out of five. Uh, it was very low. Like I had a very low opinion of season one and two of Picard. Um, but this season it's way, way better. And like I said, when they, when they brought the, the enterprise D back, I was just so happy. Like I was uh, like grinning from ear to ear. I've like, I've Star Trek has not made me happy like that in a very long time. Um, like probably since 2005, I've not, I haven't been that happy. So anyway, um, yeah, uh, Star Trek Picard, if you're a fan of, of TNG, I think you'll like it. And TNG stands for the next generation. Um, cause, uh, at Easter time, uh, uh, we were having Easter dinner with my in-laws and my father-in-law listens to our podcasts from time to time. And he had to ask me, he's like, when you say TNG, like, what are you talking about? And I was like, the, and even my wife was like, dad, that means the next generation. Even I know that. Um, but, uh, I, I, I kind of forget. I use these acronyms for, for Star Trek stuff and maybe not everybody knows what I'm referring to. Um, so yeah, TNG's Next Generation, TOS is the original series, DS9's Deep Space Nine, and then there, I mean, you could say VOY for Voyager, but V-O-Y, but no one really does that. But anyway, that's all, that's all I got there, Kev. Uh, what, what's your final little topic? So Chris, for, <clears throat> sorry, for Canada, I'm not quite sure how different it is, um, because I know... You know, there's certain, uh, you know, closer to Quebec, of course, but there's certain mm -hmm. French language stuff there. Yep. Um, I don't know if you end up with any, you know, for Spanish or anything else um, in certain, like, higher-tiered cable ones or maybe in bigger cities or something like that. Um, for the States, obviously, like, the bigger city, you know, uh, New York City, of course, will have, like, a bunch of Spanish-language channels, and then, mm -hmm. uh, like, California and Texas, of course, do. 
or a lot of times, you know, if you're close enough to the border, you'll get, you know, like I had three or four Canadian channels growing up. Mm -hmm. So there is some crossover, you know, Mexican channels, you know, Southern United States and all. Um, But to go back to, you know, we were talking before about um, franchises and, and not being, you know, if, if they get dormant and everything that people don't get interested in them. So I discovered on one of these channels, and it's, it's a Mexican channel. Um, all of these seventies and eighties properties on this channel dubbed into Spanish. And I have watched He-Man hmm. like the early eighties He-Man cartoon. Yep. Linda Carter, Wonder Woman. <laughs> Silverhawks was on there. And I'm just like, what channel, what like package television deal is going on that they can have all this stuff? Mm-hmm. And at least, you know, there, there's some kids growing up in Mexico that love, you know, 1983, 84 He-Man. That there's no other, there's no reason why they should or be aware of it or anything, you know? Yeah. Um, sub question, why don't we have that? <laughs> um, like, I would love a channel playing all this stuff. I mean, and, and do, you, <clears throat> do you have Pluto TV at all? Yes. Um, access to it yeah, we have access to it. I like, I haven't checked it out myself, but, um, I know we do have access to it up here. Yeah, because we do have similar stuff on there. Like, oh, here's here's this old franchise, and yep. you know, just plays nonstop on twenty four hour channel and all. But I mean, like, for for having a channel like this, because I mean, like, I'll go to it now just to see what's on there. And yep. I mean, I don't speak Spanish, despite having taken it in college. Um, I don't speak it or understand it enough, and it, it's amusing to hear, especially. Uh, like 1980s Transformers on there where they don't even bother using different um, voices for different characters. Yeah. <laughs> they just kind of gave up. It's like, oh, this voice sounds kind of metallic and robotic. You just, you do all the voices for the show now. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, like, I'm thinking if there was a, a channel like that, I'd throw it on background. I'd use that to introduce my kid to some of this stuff. Like, it'd be so much fun. But then I'm thinking... You know, because I've brought up dead properties many times for stuff. You know, um, it drives me nuts that no one, you know, Marvel can't do anything with a hundred issues of rom comics because Mattel mm-hmm. or whoever still owns it, even though they never did anything other than the one toy with it. Yeah. You know, uh, Conan stuff bounce around. Like, there's all sorts of things like that that just go away. And here, maybe because it's in another country, it, it gets the pass, you know, like, and, and then my mind's all over the place with this. But you think of, like, when we discovered uh, celebrities doing commercials in Japan. Yeah. Because they thought no one in the States would ever hear about it. Like, maybe something like this is like, oh, we'll just sell the, a bundle of shows to another country because who in America is going to ever notice it? Yeah. Yeah, someone like me that's nothing better to do but flip through all the TV channels and see what he can find. That's who. Well, I I wonder uh, <clears throat> if some of those channels like you know how 
Um, you can go into your TV settings and, you know, like you can watch closed captioning or the, you know, if they dub it. I wonder if you went to like one of oh, those true. channels, if there was like an English dub. Only it's like not a dub. I, but, but yeah, like the audio preference. I never yeah. even thought to do that. Yeah, I wonder about that. But yeah, like I, I totally uh, um, understand what you're what you're saying there because, um, like growing up, uh, you know, before we got a satellite dish, you know, <clears throat> when I was uh, you know growing up, we only had like the the old antenna, so we only got three channels uh, locally, um, but we actually had a fourth one which was uh, based out of Edmonton, and it was CBC French. Um, and I remember, I th- oh, because CBC was Channel 9, I think it was Channel 11, if you're going to look at it on the TV. And sometimes, yeah, they would have, like, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Um, yeah. At, like, a random time. Like, it would be, like, after school. But, of course, it's in French, so I couldn't, you know, I didn't speak French, so... Um, but yeah, like what, what a brilliant thing. Like, because in certain schools, like uh, the one that uh, in my town, you can take French class, um, you know, in elementary and maybe in junior, senior high, I'm not sure. Uh, but you can go to what they call French immersion. So what a brilliant idea for CBC French to show like a popular cartoon at the time, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. But have it after school, but you have to watch it in French. So that's how you, you know, you you start picking up French. If you're if you're going to a French immersion school, you know, you'd go home and watch these these awesome shows in the French language um, that you wouldn't be able to watch in English. Because um, I know, like CBC, like the regular CBC didn't have Ninja Turtles. Like they had things that. Um, you couldn't get on CPC. So. I, I, I almost wonder, like, I, I'm probably coming at it from a very American standpoint. And, you know, the, the ego and the, you know, everything revolves around us attitude that even, even me as someone that tries not to think that way, it's kind of ingrained in that American culture too. But it's probably what, say, someone in Japan would think seeing certain channels in America. Mm-hmm. Like, hey, we had that anime years ago. And it's so weird that you're randomly watching it now. And it's yeah. weird to see it in a language that's not my own. Yep. And it's weird that it airs at odd times. But that's Cartoon Network for us, you know? Yeah. Or, or like Sci-Fi Channel used to have random anime stuff on. Like that's it's probably how they would have felt if like, oh, I'm, I found these channels from America and look at the, look at the stuff that they're playing that we watched ten, twenty years ago and look how weird it sounds to see, you know, to hear it in a different language and all. Like it's probably exactly how they would have felt. Yeah. Yeah. Um... I'm like, uh, back in 2001, I went to Germany, uh, spent a couple weeks over there. Um, because my mom had a German exchange student that lived with her for a year. So the, so the next year I went, flew over to Germany and spent a couple weeks at her place. And I remember 
her flipping through the channels and um Degrassi Junior High was there was on one of their channels and that's like a like a an eighties Canadian staple. Like every yeah. every every kid my age watched the Grassy Junior High. Uh you know, even younger and, and older um kids, you know, than me were watching that show and it was to to see it, you know, in German in Germany, like that, it was such a cool thing. It, it really was. I mean she had no idea what it was. I'm like, this is a Canadian show. You know, they used to make this one when I was a kid. But yeah, it's... I would totally go to another country and flip through their TV. Yeah. Let's be like, what do you have that I don't have? <laughs> yeah. Um, it just, it, it's just, it's tough sometimes. Like, because, like, I know when I was in Germany, because um, where I was at used to be East Germany. Um, so there isn't a lot of English speaking channels or people in that area. At least there wasn't, I guess it was 22 years ago that I was there. Um, because East Germany was controlled by USSR, um, they all, you know, as a second language, learned Russian. They didn't learn English. Whereas if you go to the western side of Germany, you know, that was, you, you know, the Germany that was controlled by the U.S., and English was their second language that they learned. So if you're on the east side, like, their local channels, like, nothing is in English. Um, unless... Uh, you know, it's an actual, like, English person that, you know, English speaking. Like, I remember when I, I was over there, you remember that song by Shaggy, It Wasn't Me? Yeah. Um, that was big at the time. And Shaggy was on, like, their version of, like, Jay Leno or, or Conan O'Brien, like, I, I, like whatever their, that version is. So when he was interviewing Shaggy, he was speaking English. So it was cool because I got to watch an English interview. Um, but then the rest of the episode was, like, all German, like, because it was just German guests. Um, so it was just, like, rare glimpses. You, you don't realize how much you miss your language until you're, like, in an environment where it's not the language. Um mm -hmm. You kind of feel a little left out sometimes. But yeah, when, when he would show up, when he showed up on that show, that was kind of cool. And then there was, um, there was like a German miniseries. I can't remember what it was about, but some of it takes place in America. So the American scenes were in English, but everything else was German. Um, uh, but yeah, it, uh. It could be a little, little, little daunting, you know, being in a different country and not, not speaking the language for sure. Um, and especially where, where she lived, cause she lived in like a village, but that was near a city, but it wasn't a big city. Um, it wasn't like Berlin or anything, but when I went to Berlin, I actually met a lot more English speaking people. Like you could go into stores and. You know, like they would come to you and say something in German, and I'd be like, I, "I'm sorry, I don't speak German." And then, "Oh, you're English." I'm like, "Yeah, well, Canadian, but, um, <laughs> you know, same same sort of thing." Um, but yeah, it's a bit of a, a bit of a culture shock sometimes. Uh, and also, when I was over there, um, they were interviewing Arnold Schwarzenegger because sometimes I forget. Like I know he's got the thick accent. Uh, but he's Austrian, and Austrian Austria, the main la the native language is German. 
So when he was doing this interview on, on like whatever news program or whatever it was, he was speaking German and it just blew my mind to see Arnold Schwarzenegger talking in German. Uh, but that's his native language. And you know, you don't think about it until you, you actually see him doing it. That, oh yeah, right. You, you know, he's not, you know, like I know he's got the thick accent, you know, Austrian accent, but still it's, you kind of forget that he speaks a different language. Yeah, and and that's you know I mean you're you're better as Canadian, but there's the American mindset there too of like you know we just think of what we see and are very um, self-centered with it. Well, so no. stuff like that. Oh, oh, he's speaking a different language. It's like yeah, because he's from that country. Of course he is. Why wouldn't he be? <laughs> No, I, and but I think like we're okay because we're you know um, you know the closest of neighbors, Canada and the United States. We think very similar, so I don't think it's a I don't think it's American thing, to, you know. Like I I like I was I was shocked, you know, to hear Schwarzenegger talking like that, um, you know, just because I you don't think about it, you know, like, um, like in Canada, because Canada's, you know, like we're, we got, uh, uh, two official languages, uh, English and French. So for, for me, like, you know, using our prime minister as an example to see, uh, uh, Justin Trudeau, you know, speaking in English and French, it's not jarring to me because I'm, you know, all our upper politicians, like that's a requirement. If you want to be prime minister, you have to be bilingual in English and French because those are our official languages. Um, and there's some towns like, uh, like, uh, there's a town, it's about two hours south of here. Um, it's called Beaumont and it's like, if, like the signs are in French and English because it's, it, they have such a large French community in that, in that town that, you know, they have like you, a stop sign will say stop. And then it also says like alert or whatever, like in, in, in French. Um, and all the road signs are, uh, are bilingual. Uh, there's another town north of here that's like that too. It's called Flair. Um, and it's bilingual. Um, but other than that, like it, everything's English in my, my part of the country. So, you know, there's the odd, odd town that does that, but, um, but, you know, being in Canada, like, like, I don't know, I've never really been to Quebec. Uh, well, I haven't been to Quebec at all. Um, but I'm told, like, if you go to, like, Quebec City, like, good luck trying to find someone speaking English. Everyone speaks French. Montreal's a little bit different because they have so many tour, like, it's such a tourist destination. Um, but, uh, yeah, I guess, you know, the deeper you get into Quebec, the more, or the less English you'll find. Well, is that dependent? And I am sorry, we're totally tangenting here. Is is that dependent on all on who they're talking to? Um, so, uh, story here. Uh, one of my friends that worked in wrestling <clears throat> was telling a story about um, when they would bring over talent from Japan, mm -hmm. and depending on who was trying to talk to them, like you know, some person comes up that's being an asshole, maybe being a little racist or whatever and they would say oh sorry no speak english and person would just keep going 
And yeah. then they continue their conversation in English with the person that they wanted to talk to. Yeah. It's like, I can do it. I'm just not going to because I think you're a, a jerk or whatever. Yeah. Um, I think that happens. I'm not saying all of Quebec are jerks. I'm just wondering. No, I, I, it definitely it definitely does happen. It's funny that you say that because um, my mom was actually just over tonight and we are talking about... Uh, there's a store in Edmonton that's called TNT Supermarkets. It's, it's a Chinese... Um, basically, it's like the Chinese version of like a superstore. Um, you know, it's a grocery store, but it caters to, you know, Ch- the Chinese community. Like they, they get a lot of stuff imported from China. Um, so anyway, my mom was looking for like these envelopes or something in that store one time. And she walked up to one of the workers that works there and she's like, like excuse me, I'm, I'm looking for these like little envelopes. And the guy literally, you know, he's a Chinese guy, literally looked at her and said, I don't speak English. She said, clear as day. <laughs> like, like there was no accent. There was no, like clear as day. I don't speak English. And then, and then, yeah, she heard him speaking English to someone else later. And she's like, wait a second. Um, but yeah, I guess he just didn't want to deal with, you know, he was busy doing his own thing. Like, you know, doing socket shelves or whatever he was doing. And he just didn't want to be disturbed. Yeah. <laughs> I just thought that was hilarious. Um, and they also did that on that. I don't know if you ever watch it. Uh, Paul Rudd did a did a TV show. I can't remember what it's called now. Back in 2019, where they make a clone of him. And anyway, so these these guys that clone Paul Rudd are Chinese guys, right? And they're they're speaking with you know a stereotypical Chinese accent and they're pretending like they don't understand him and stuff. And then he just keeps asking them questions. And then finally they're like, dude, just shut the fuck up. And they start like, like perfect English, like no accent, nothing. And he's like, wait a second. Could you speak English this whole time? And they're like, yeah, but we don't like speaking to you guys. We don't like talking to you. So, you know, it was just an act that they were putting on. I thought that was like the most hilarious thing. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Um, but yeah, um, anyway, uh, what were we talking about? Oh yeah. Uh, uh, TV channels and stuff. Foreign channels. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. No. uh, Yeah. I just remember. Yeah. CBC French having all this awesome stuff that I just couldn't watch because where I lived, um, we didn't have French immersion, so they didn't even offer it in my school. So it wasn't like I, you know, chose not to, to speak French. It just wasn't an option for me. Um, but I kind of, you know, I kind of wish I had lived somewhere where I could have learned that, you know, not that I ever want to be in politics, but, you know, I kind of wonder if that might've opened some doors for me. Um, cause you know, um, actually like, I like not, I'm not going to talk too much about my work, but where I work, I actually work for a French company. Um, and so, you know, like if, you know, I know they have a lot of opportunities in France and stuff, but I just, I, I, I couldn't go there because I, I don't speak the language. Um, so, you know, I kind of, I kind of wish, part of me kind of wishes like in Canada, they would push that a little bit more given that French is our, our second language. Um, but at the same time, you know, it's hard enough getting kids to learn you know, English to begin with. 
let alone a second language. I think they had to speak one language properly. Yeah. Yeah. But then you look at, like, my brother-in-law. Like, I mean, he learned French. He's Swedish. He learned English. And he learned French. And I think his, if if I remember correctly, his mom, like, she taught French and English in Sweden. So she speaks those two languages. She speaks Swedish, obviously. And I think she also speaks Spanish. And it just blows my mind that, you know, the fact that you could speak two languages, um, yeah. let alone four. And, you know, there's people that speak way more than that. Um, I remember, uh, like, my when my sister got with my brother-in-law and then she, she moved to Sweden for a few years, right? To You know, because they were both going to school over there. <laughs> And it just blew my mind when my sister came back and she was speaking Swedish. Like she was having a conversation with her in-laws in Swedish. And I'm like, who is this person? Like, you're my sister. And I totally, like, this just blows my mind that you're speaking Swedish so fluently. Like, like she doesn't even struggle. Like, yeah, it, it, it's an amazing talent, I think, being able to, to pick up a second language. I know I would, I, I would really have a hard time with that like just those two weeks in germany was 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 taxing on me i couldn't imagine living there and you know you know i'm sure eventually i would learn but it it's it i don't know it's tough i don't know i mean i took plenty of years of uh you know foreign language in school and i don't remember anything yeah, and I've heard that. Like my my wife took French when she was in school, and she she doesn't remember any of it. I'm like, huh, crazy. But yeah, I, I remember enough to pass the test, and that was it. Yeah. Um. Well, I remember when, and I and I asked my brother-in-law this, because um, when when you get an exchange student that comes to Canada or wherever, they say. And that we were told, or my mom was told this by the the lady that um, ran the exchange program, um, and I was there too. Like when she came to meet with my mom, I was I was visiting at my mom's house when she was going over all this, and she said, "You'll notice, like they will, uh, the exchange students when they get here, it's going to be jarring at first because you know they know English, but they've never used it as their first language." So there's going to be, you know, so they're constantly going to be thinking in their head in, you know, wherever they come from, either Swedish or German or Finnish, wherever, whatever country they're from. They're going to be thinking that language and then converting it to English. But at some point, they, that'll stop. And when you ask them something, they'll just think in English and respond in English. They won't even do the conversion anymore. And that's when they really you know, begin to settle in is when they stop thinking in their own language and start thinking in, in English. And I asked my brother-in-law, like, when did that happen for you? Like, when did you start? And he's like, I honestly didn't even think about it that way. But yeah, you're right. Like, you know, it became so much easier, you know, when I started talk, you know, thinking in English and not in Swedish. But, you know, it's something you don't think about, you know. Yeah, it's not like, oh, and let me write down that this is what happened today. Yeah, like... It just kind of happened. Yeah. But, anyway, hmm. kudos to people that can do the multi-languaging. The closest I ever came was sign language. 
I learned, I did learn sign language when I was in grade three. I don't, like, I know some stuff, like some, some signs, uh, but I don't know a lot. Like a lot of that has escaped me. Um, because in our class we had, we had a, uh, a girl that was deaf and we, that was part of our curriculum that year was to learn sign language, uh, so we could communicate with her. Um, which was, which was neat, but we didn't really need to do that because she could read lips. So as long as you talk to her and she can see your lips, she can, she can understand what you're saying. You don't need to, you know, sign yeah. with her. Um, which has its advantages because there was, there was times, um, when, you know, her, her name is Amy. I'd be like, we'd be talking in secret, but I would just be mouthing the words and not actually <laughs> verbalizing them so people wouldn't know what we were talking about. But I also knew how to do some do sign language back then too, so um but yeah, I, yeah, I guess you know, like I I did like I could do yes, no, I could do my ABCs to like G and then I kind of forget after that, but but I did learn some French cuz in Canada, um the Canadian version of Sesame Street used to have French, uh, parts to it, you know? So like when they would do like the Sesame street, you know, little animated stuff, sometimes it would be in French. It wouldn't be in English. Okay. So that was kind of cool. Like, you know, I did, you know, learn about, you know, how to count, uh, to 10 in French, but, but yeah. But anyway, Kev, did you, did you have anything more to add to your little topic? No, no, we actually, we went a lot of places with this that I wasn't expecting. Yeah, so, didn't mean to hijack it, but it was a good one. That was a good, that, no, was, a, no. that was a good topic. I never, something you don't really think about. But anywho, uh, I think we can call that an episode, because uh, for this episode, we're only doing two little topics, and uh, and we'll, we'll, of course, come back to this, and thank you to the Atomic Geeks for giving me this idea that I totally stole from them. Because uh, it's it's good. It makes for good conversation. Uh, but before we go, let's play that little game of where we can find you on the internet. Um, you can find me uh, on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at chrislock1701. You can check out my blog at randomnerdness.blogspot.com. And this weekend coming up at the time of this release, uh, so this would be the... Uh, I will be there the 28th, 29th, and 30th. Of April, I'll be at the Calgary Comic and Entertainment Expo. Our fellow podcaster Ragnar will be there as well uh, with his his uh, table. Uh, and I, the reason he's not here tonight is he's hard at work preparing for that show. Um, and there's a lot of work that goes into it because he's been doing a lot of shows lately. And from what I understand, he's been selling a lot of stuff, which means he also has to make a lot of stuff for the next show. Uh, so that's why he hasn't been on lately, because he's just been super busy th this last month. I don't think he, at the time of this recording, I don't think he has a show this weekend, but he's got the Calgary Expo coming up, and he'll be there the 27th to the 30th. Um, so be sure to check that out if you're in the Calgary area. That's a, It's a great comic convention. Highly recommend. It's a lot of fun. Um, Kevin, where can we find you, sir? You can not find me at Calgary Expo, but you can find me 
Uh, most social medias at Masked Library. MaskedLibrary.com is my home blog and occasionally over at the Retro Network. Well, I tell you what, Kevin, if I win the lottery this week, if because right now in Canada the Lotto Max is at $50 million. If I oh, win that, wow. if I win that fifty million, I'll fly you out there next weekend, and and we'll right. we'll, we'll do a podcast. How about that? <laughs> Sounds good. Excellent. Um, all right. Well, on behalf of myself, Chris Lockhart, and my co-host Kevin Decent, and our co-hosts Lillian and Ragnar, I want to thank you, dear listener, for taking the time to listen to the Pop Culture Puff. This was our little topics for 2023, and we will see you again in the not too distant future.